So our launch pad uh, passage today is from Numbers 29, because I just really wanted to keep going with awkward passages. This is, says, on the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. That's like a festival. And you shall not do any ordinary work. It is the day for you to blow the trumpets. And you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, one bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish. Also their grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Hopefully these things have more meaning to you now over the last eight weeks or whatever. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offering, according to the rule for them, for pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Now on the tenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation and afflict yourselves. You shall do no work, but you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. One bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old, see that they are without blemish, and their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement and the regular burnt offering and his grain offering and their drink offerings. The word of the Lord, Numbers 29, 1 to 11. Now, <clears throat> what I just read to you is originally referred to as the Feast of Trumpets. Now, maybe you've heard of that term. Um, the Feast of Trumpets was a time when they would blow these trumpets and they would remember these different things. But more importantly, the Feast of Trumpets began the beginning of what now, would, in modern day, would be referred to as the Jewish New Year. So uh, maybe on your calendar, you see it and you call it Rosh Hashanah, right? Rosh Hashanah. Um, the head of the year is what we refer to it now, the Jewish New Year. Now, one thing you notice immediately about the Feast of the Trumpets or the head of the year or Rosh Hashanah that we would see as a little strange is that it takes place in the seventh month, right? And so you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. How can a new year be in the seventh month? But you have to think of it the same way that we have like a fiscal calendar or you have a school calendar. This is the beginning of what would be the civil calendar for the ancient Hebrews. Now, most importantly, the number seven typically in Hebrew literature is an important number. It represents completeness. Um, and in this seventh month, this would be the beginning of the holiest month for the Hebrew people. It was the most sacred month of religious festivals, including the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, which we've mentioned in Leviticus, but we haven't explained yet because that's Leviticus 16, as well as the Feast of Booths. Now, some of you guys, if you were here when we went through the Gospel of John, if you were here when we went through the Gospel of John, raise your hand. If we, when we went through the Gospel of John, we talked about the Feast of Booths. And each of those different, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Booths, each of these have special meaning in the Hebrew calendar. And so on this first day, the Feast of Trumpets, they would blow trumpets. Um, and as they would often do that on other occasions as well, but on the Feast of Trumpets, they would sound continuously from morning till evening, um, like ancient fireworks, okay? And so when we lived in Spain, we happened to live in Spain when Spain won the World Cup, okay? I guess that was about 10 years ago. 
And if you remember that World Cup, it was when a certain item got super popular. Does anybody remember what it was? The Vuvuzela. <laughs> and basically, if we lived in Madrid, and if you opened your window, it just sounded like this outside. All day long. And every time they stored a goal, forget it. That's all it was. Vuvuzelas for two hours. And so I imagine that's what the Feast of Trumpets was like. Except the trumpets weren't made out of plastic that you bought at a dollar store. So this was the beginning of this um, holy month. Now, the, what was the purpose of the trumpets? If you read rabbinical writings, they're going to suggest things like the trumpets were meant to remind the Hebrew people of the original historical trumpet call, which called them to hear the voice of God at Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments. So there's this idea of the trumpet being related to the law and to the giving of the law and to this idea of, uh, of revelation, of God revealing who he is. Now, of course, there wasn't new revelation or new law given every Feast of Trumpets, but this would remind the people of very key things. It would remind the people of the fact that God rescued them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And then as that, as that, um, as that, that day of, as the Feast of Trumpets would begin that, then for the next 10 days would be this holy period where they would prepare themselves for the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, as if you're going to track through the Torah, those first five books of the Bible, the Feast of Trumpets is reminding them of being taken out of Egypt and then given the law. The Day of Atonement is reminding them of the fact that a holy God cannot dwell in the midst of a holy people without sacrifice. And then the Feast of Booths reminds them of their time of wandering in the desert um, before they entered into the Promised Land. And so all of this happened in this month. So it was a really jam-packed month with a lot of parties, a lot of trumpets, and not a lot of work. Okay? Um, and so if you're a Hebrew person and you're living in this time period, why did God give these festivals? Well, if you read the Psalms especially, you see time and time again that God commands them to remember, to remember, to remember. That basically those festivals, they act as milestones and markers in the yearly calendar to force the Hebrew people to remember what God had done, right? The same way that we talked way back about the remembrance offering with the grain offering, that you put the salt of the covenant in it so you remember that God has made this promise to you. And so in this idea, these festivals are designed to remind you that God has been good, God is good even in the wilderness, and God will be good. And so you can constantly come back and trust in the Lord's provision, past, present, and future. Okay? And so that the, the Feast of Trumpets, that initial day of the year, the head of the year, that announced this beginning of those 10 days, which I called... Um, or I mentioned before, and those, the Hebrew people referred to those as the days of awe, the days of awe. And that was leading up to Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of covering when the high priest would make sacrifice for the sins of the community of the previous year, and they would look forward to the coming year. And so during those 10 days, the trumpets were still going on, and every morning someone would play a special trumpet as a wake-up call. 
And that was the trumpet in the morning. And so you would wake up, and then it would remind the people that we're in the days of all in this new year cycle. Now, if you look at the original passage we read, it talked about afflicting yourself. And so the idea is that during this time period, during these days of awe, the people were supposed to be exceptionally introspective, more than normal, right? They're leading up to the Day of Atonement, so they're thinking about all the stuff they did. They're thinking about the holiness of God. They're thinking about what God has done. They're thinking about the sacrifices. They're thinking about all of these things, and essentially, it's preparing them, right? And so this is very similar to what we do with New Year's, or what maybe some people do with New Year's. A lot of heart searching, a lot of self-examination, making amends for, you know, kind of closing chapters on maybe some bad things that happened, maybe getting some reconciliation or forgiveness as needed or if necessary, and then looking forward to whatever is on the horizon. And so the point is that the primary theme of this Jewish New Year, of this head of the year, is looking back at what God has done, as well as your own introspective, and then looking forward. And so it's thanking God for what he's done. It's turning from the things that you need to turn from, the things that lie behind. In their case, Egypt, the sins of the year. And then it's looking forward to what lies ahead, trusting in the Lord in his provision, in his covenant faithfulness. And so really this is all about repentance and faith and celebration and hope, right? Now I think we can all say that we relate to this. As a, for at the New Year's, each time of the year is a time of looking back and looking forward. And so what I wanted to do is kind of look back a little bit at what God has done. This is corporately. And then I want to look forward at what we hope God will do, what we believe he will do in faith. And then we're going to kind of be led in a time of personal introspection. Okay? So as a church, it's just looking back at a couple key things. I, um, when Gene and I planted Revolve 10 years ago, we, we wanted Revolve to be a church that gave a dollar away for every dollar it received. So we wanted to operate on a 50-50 budget. Um, which just seemed impossible, all right? And so, in other words, if we received $2, we gave a dollar away. Now, to give you an idea, and I'm not, I'm not trying, I really am not trying to toot our horn because I'm not trying to toot our trumpet, okay? Because the reality is that this is the generosity of God, like Joy and Caleb were talking about. So, um, in the first few years, I think we began immediately giving away 10%. Um, and then we tried to increase that every every year. And then it was 17%. And then our rent was like exorbitant compared to the amount of people we had and the money we brought in. And so there was like a soul-crushing amount of money. We were paying $7,000 a month in rent over in North Cape May. Um, but we continued to kind of increase that. So two years ago, before the pandemic, we had given away about 33%. Um, and... This year, I'm happy to say that we gave 45% of our money away, okay? Now, I, some of you have heard me mention this before, and I know that you, I'm not trying to compare myself to other people to feel good about myself, all right? Um, but to get, I want you guys to understand how special that is. Does anybody want to guess what the average church in America gives percentage-wise away? It's two or three percent, 
okay? And so the average church in America gives away 2 to 3% of their money. And Revolve in 2021 gave away 45% of their money. Now, I got another thing that's going to blow your mind open. So the average church in America gives 2 to 3% towards missions, okay? Of that 2 to 3%, pennies, I'm not using that as an exaggeration, I'm being legit, pennies goes to the unreached world. The unreached world is the, I think, what was the number? 37% of the world that has no access to the gospel. So it's something like 97% of all missionary money goes towards countries that already have existing churches that are propagating the gospel. In other words, and it doesn't mean those places don't need missionaries, don't get me wrong, but places like Central America that already have an existing church, okay? Or uh, Africa that has an existing church. Pennies on the dollar goes to reaching the unreached world. Of that 45%, the vast majority went to the unreached world. Iran, Iraq, um, Afghanistan. I mean, we have... I, I, I feel like sometimes... I'm waiting for the Secret Service to show up at my doorstep and ask me why I keep wiring money to Afghanistan. <laughs> like, I just know it's coming, <laughs> okay? And so realize the Lord has been faithful. So this past year, to put some numbers on that, um, Revolve gave away over $200,000 towards church planting in the closed access, most difficult places to reach on the planet. To give you an idea of comparison, in 2015, we gave away 20, okay? So in 2015, we gave away 20. In 2021, we gave away 200, or $200,000, over $200,000. Now, in, now give you, we brought in just shy of $450,000 compared to, in 2020, we brought in 530, but we were more generous, even bringing in less money. So we had a year of generosity. Um, we had a year of maturing. I think this year was a year where we saw people grow deeper with Jesus instead of seeing a bunch of new people come to faith. You know, in the previous years, if you were going to say like the pandemic year, it, for those of you guys who remember when we first came to Two Mile and we were just baptizing people off the finger docks. It just felt like every week, every other week, someone was getting baptized off the finger docks. I think that summer we baptized almost 20 people off of the docks. Um, we didn't see that kind of evangelism explosion this year, but what we did see is people growing in love with Jesus, people reading the word, people growing in their affections, in their mind, in their hands, and in their heart. We saw the book hubs be established. We saw a group of people take a 5.30 a.m. prayer meeting on Zoom of their own initiative. We saw people sign up for a class on creeds. <laughs> right? People really grew. We saw people like the Camerons and the Magnusons make decisions to take a leap of faith, the Vances to take a leap of faith. We saw these things happen. Those are all marks of a people who are maturing. Which leads me to the third thing that we saw in 2021, which is a year of sending out. 2021 was a year of major loss. We sent advances to work among UPGs um, in New York City, and now they pray about where to go next. 
We saw the Lassers go to Charleston, and when we sent them out, we truly viewed that as we're sending them out. We saw the Davises go to Alaska when Justin was going to get a cush job, but then he decided to ask to be on a cutter, right? Is a cutter? I always get the different ships mixed up. Um, where he was going to be gone for weeks at a time, at one point in time, months at a time, away from his family and yet-to-be-born baby, right? Because he felt like the Lord wanted him to do that. Well, Justin just told us two weeks ago he currently has a Discovery Bible study happening on the cutter with seven different men, right, while they're out um, doing whatever it is they do. And so we saw a year of sending people out. Sending people out. And it's not just missionaries. You have to realize that. When we get transferred for a job or when we get transferred for the Coast Guard or Nick Johnson moved up to Ocean View, when we see people like that be sent out, it's, we can't view it as loss. We need to view it as God shuffling things around so that more equipped people are now living in different parts of the, of the world. And since one of our goals as Revolve is to see our county saturated with healthy groups of disciples who are making healthy groups of disciples or making healthy groups of disciples, then since we want to see that disciple-making happen, then we should rejoice when we see a family move to Ocean View, even though it's sad for us to lose them, right? And so we have these kinds of perspectives, things to celebrate. But looking back, it was also a really hard year. I mean, it was a tough year. We're all still really frustrated with the pandemic. We all have lots of opinions on it, right? We shouldn't talk about them too much because then we just fight. But we all are really aggravated by these things. The impact it's had on our kids. It's, it's really been hard for the kids. That I was talking to a school administrator a couple weeks ago, and he told me they're now after two years, really begin, beginning to see the emotional fallout of the last two years in the behavior of the students. These things are impacting our kids. We've seen it impact our schools. We've seen it impacting our churches. So many churches have not been able to maintain any semblance of normalcy because they have older populations. Some of you have had this past year directly impact your lives. I have acquaintances and friends whose families don't want them around anymore because of the coronavirus. No, you can't come over for Christmas, whatever it might be. Those are legitimate, difficult things. This has been the kind of year it was. If I'm honest, I feel like the last two years have just really taken some wind out of my sails and that it's been hard to just keep going one step at a time when you feel like you're not making a lot of traction and the traction you're seeing, which we just recounted, those things are great. But you know what else? They're super intangible. And so it's really hard to get motivated about intangible things. And so if I, if I can acknowledge that, I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. You know, people say, how's it going? And you're like, well, it's going. It's five o'clock somewhere, right? You know, I mean, this is the kind of time that it's been. But let's look forward with hope because we have reasons to be a people filled with hope. 2022, I said before that the local vision of Revolve is to glorify God in Cape May County by equipping you guys to go and make disciples where you live, work, learn, and play, to start a, a, you know, a Bible study 
with your lost co-workers as you read the, the book of Mark together, right? To if you have two or three neighbors on your block who are believers, to see if they're willing to gather together and study the word so that you can specifically engage with your neighborhood together and see people come to faith. Those are the things we want to see. You know, we're thankful for discipleship groups, and we don't want those to die out, but we would love to see new groups forming instead of just maintaining the same, you know, whatever it is, six to ten groups year after year after year because more people need to grow. More people need to be developed. More people need to learn how to read the word. More people need to hear about Jesus. So if that is our goal, what do we need to do? Well, first... We're going to keep Christ the center of all things we do as a church. Listen, there has never been a time in my lifetime, and I know I'm only 40, but there's never been a time in my lifetime when I feel like the church would be more tempted to be about something else. Right now, you can make your church about COVID. You can make your church about politics. You can make your church about race. You can make your church about a social issue. You can make your church, you pick it. And you know what? Can I tell you something? The world wants you to do that. I feel like if there's, if I wanted to totally compromise my convictions, I could change what I preach and I have complete confidence Revolve would grow, but it would not be preaching Christ crucified for our sins and resurrected for our eternal life. Okay, And so we want to keep preaching Christ crucified, keep Christ at the center of all that we do as a church because Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. He was resurrected so that we could live forever. And the reality is he sent his Holy Spirit so we could follow him as king until he comes again. And he is coming again. The second thing is this. We want to equip people in the word. You cannot be a healthy disciple without the word. Jesus is the incarnate word. He is the visible image of the invisible Christ. And we have the spirit of Jesus living within us that speaks to us as we read the written word of God, as it reveals this Jesus to us. So as we engage the word, the spirit engages with us. And so we're going to keep equipping you guys with simple tools that empower you to engage the word. And so you can anticipate if you haven't gone through the hub, we're going to have some rounds of the hub this coming year so you can learn those basic tools. Uh, we're also going to develop some seminars to go deeper. So in other words, like a three-hour seminar on a Saturday morning to talk about biblical interpretation. Or uh, Breton is talking about doing a, a three-hour seminar to talk about how to actually do a word study you know, on a word, so you know how to use the Greek or Hebrew resources, even if you don't know those languages. So we want to equip you in the basics, but also in the next steps so that you can go deeper. We were talking about developing some courses to help you see the biblical, um, a biblical introduction or the DNA of the Bible so that you can really appreciate the big picture of it all and know, well, where does Obadiah fit in? And then you can read those those minor prophets or those lesser-known books with confidence because everything that God has given us in the Word is for our edification, right? It's to equip us so that we will be equipped for every good work. The third thing is this. We want to pray. Simple. We want to give you, equip you with simple tools that empower you to pray, but we also want to provide prayer opportunities. We have that 5.30 a.m. Zoom, 
which uh, many of you have been involved in. We have this corporate prayer meeting on the 20th. We have this corporate prayer opportunity before the Reformation class. We want to see group, your prayer multiplying in your groups. We want to see more people praying. If you have a friend over from Revolve for lunch, take five minutes and pray together. We want to see prayer multiplied because we truly believe the only way that the Spirit of God is going to begin moving and working towards revival is if we see a prayer movement first. And so we want to see prayer organically multiply where we live, work, learn, and play, beginning in our homes and then spreading outward. And we want to equip people to love and serve one another. Um, we have a plan for book clubs for this coming year, and each, each is going to be about a four-week commitment. And we've taken this series of books called, um, uh, it's called the Healthy Church Series by the publisher Nine Marks. And they're each short books. You know, you could read each of them in three hours or less. And in those books, they're all corporate in nature. So the book might be about evangelism, but it's about how evangelism and the church function together. It might be about um, whatever it might be, sound theology, but it's about how sound theology and the church operate together. And so we want to equip you to love one another and serve one another and realize those things don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in the corporate nature of the church because we are the body of Christ. So one of our goals to make that a reality is the, deacon, the elders would love to see deacons established this year. And if you don't know what a deacon is or an elder is, well, then you can come to the deacon book club, which I think is going to be in March, okay? Um, but in a, in a nutshell, if elders equip the saints for the work of the ministry, then deacons organize people and structure to do the ministry, and then the body of Christ does the work of the ministry, okay? And so we want to work towards that end because we realize that what we are lacking is that, I can't say the word, diaconal structure, the deaconish structure the deacons, diaconal structure, um, that would help us execute ministry well. We want to equip you guys to bring the gospel where you live, work, learn, and play. We want you to feel confident in sharing your faith. We want you to feel confident in living your faith out loud. We want you to feel confident in being able to invite your friend to read the book of Mark together and not feel like you have no idea what to do. Um, as the Vances settle on a location, we are prayerfully hoping that we can identify domestic places with UPGs where we could go and do ministry, where we could go to Hatfield, where there's a population of about 34,000 South Asians who are Hindu and Bengali, and we could go and do ministry in Hatfield for a night or two. Or we could go up to Patterson where there's 80,000 um, Middle Eastern Arab Muslims and we could go and do some prayer walking. Things that we normally would have done in Indonesia and in, among the refugees in Greece, we have to figure out how to do them in our own backyard because traveling is so difficult right now. And so this is forcing us to think strategically about domestic missions. And so this is where we see the church Lord willing, going. We look at what God has done. We're thankful. We know God continues to provide. And we want to look forward to what God's going to do in the future. And so the things that we do are going to be within these plumb lines. You know, the books that we choose, the, the, the classes that we offer, the activities that we 
um, plan, everything, we want it to be moving in that direction. So those ideas are like the guide rails, and we're running down that way. We're driving in that direction, and that's directing where we go so that Jesus would be glorified in our lives and in Cape May County. So um, I talked a lot longer than I thought I would. But just want to go through here real quick. If you look at your, um, if you've got a, a, a lyric sheet, there's some things that I would invite you to do either on your own with your DG. Maybe some of you have already done this. Probably a lot of you already have. But, you know, as a family or as an individual in your journal, I want you to take some time to look back and look ahead as well in the coming week. You know, take some time for introspection. What is there to be thankful about? How did you grow this year? I was talking with someone this morning who said that he just feels like Jesus is alive and new to him in a different way, that he's experiencing like a new wave of the Spirit as he loves the gospel. That's a great thing. Make a note of it. Write it down so that when you have those valleys, you can remember how good he is, right? How did you grow? What kind of victories, successes did you see in your family? You know, answers to prayer over cancer, over illness, protection, so many things. Do some heart searching. How are you? Ask your spouse. Ask your kids. How are you a different person today than you were 12 months ago? Are you where you feel like God wants you to be? Have you allowed things to creep into your life that are slowly destroying you? You know, do some real heart searching. Ask the Lord to investigate your heart, like it says in the Psalms. You know, to search my heart and let me know if there's any grievous way within me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And then if there's any chapters that need to close, forgiveness, making amends, wounds that need to be processed, do that. Look back on 2021 and close the chapter so that then you can turn and you can look forward to 2022. And so two questions to think about for 2022 is, you know, where do you want to grow and how do you plan to get there? Do you want to grow in prayer? Do you know someone in your life who is a strong prayer warrior who can help you to grow? How can you help somebody else grow in their faith to follow Jesus better? Maybe you can pray for someone. You can reach out and encourage a different person each day. Who will you pour into this year? A couple weeks ago, we were at the Vance's open house, and Steve said something that really struck me. Steve said that he had a professor, uh, I think it was a professor, in seminary who said that at the end of the year, him and his wife used to pray what couple or what family do we want to lead to the Lord this year? Knowing full well that, you know, you can't force that, but the idea is strategically, what family am I going to invest in? Who am I going to invite them into my home once a month, twice a month, have coffee with them, regularly reach out? Who would God put on your heart to intentionally invest in as who's far from God or who's as a believer who needs some encouragement? And remember, discipling is simply helping other people to follow Jesus better, right? And so you don't need to overcomplicate it. We would like to end our time by celebrating communion. Because the reality is this. Um, you may look back on 2021 and you can say, I have nothing to be thankful for. 2021 for me was a year of loss, 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 loss. Some of you genuinely might feel that way. 
Like you have nothing to be thankful for in 2021. It was just a ridiculously terrible year. This is what I want to tell you, and I mean this in the most loving way possible. What you're entitled to, what you deserve is death. That's what you deserve. If God were to give you what you've deserved, if God were to give you what you earned, it would be for your heart to stop beating on the spot and you to fall over and be D-E-D dead. Okay? Nobody caught that. <laughs> Linda caught it. All right? God, in his amazing grace, has chosen you before the foundation of the world and has planned that his son would be the lamb who was slain before there was time. God, in his grace, saw us in our muck and in our mire and sent his son to be the perfect revelation of who he is, sent his son to be the sacrifice that you require to pay for your sin because the wages of sin is death. And so what we deserve is death, what we've earned is death, but Jesus Christ came to die on our behalf, to pay the full penalty of your sin and my sin. And then God calls us with an irrevocable call, pulls us out of the mud, sets our feet on ground, gives us a bath, gives us a robe, puts a ring on our finger, and calls us his own. And that's something that no one can break. And this is the reality. This is why I share this. That's the gospel, which means good news. And no matter how much bad news you've had in the last year, two years, three years, at the end of the day, do you know what you have that can never be taken away from you? Good news. You have good news. If everyone you know and love dies in 2022, you have good news. If you're diagnosed with a life-debilitating disease in 2022, you have good news. If you lose your job and your home and you're forced to who knows what, you have good news. Because this life is but a mist, it's but a vapor, but Jesus and his love for us in Christ is eternal. And he went ahead to prepare a home for us and he's going to come back to get us, and then we will be with him always and forever. And like those ancient Hebrew festivals that they would do to remember, we participate in communion on a regular basis so that we remember we always have good news. His body was broken so that we could be healed. His blood was poured out so that we could be forgiven and that we could be washed clean that we could have a relationship with God forever. And so if you would take your communion cup and if you would just prepare that, we're going to first take the bread together. And listen, communion is a time for God's people. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then you may participate. If you aren't there yet, that's okay. We're glad you're here. We just would ask that you abstain. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took his body and he, he took his br the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you take this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake.
And then he took the cup of wine and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for you. Every time you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Father God, we thank you that you sent your son to be that covenant sacrifice, that covenant meal. God, where we would be able to know that you have given us an enduring, eternal covenant, that your faithfulness stretches to the sky. And now every time we do this, we can be reminded God is for me and not against me in Jesus. So God, as we reflect on 2021 and 2022, let us remember that in the midst of losing buildings or losing loved ones or seeing friends be sent out to other parts of the country, in all these things, you are for Revolve and not against Revolve. As our kids struggle, as our marriages struggle, as our finances struggle, as inflation increases, as COVID continues, let us not view any of these things as a crack of your whip, but let us remember that in Christ, in all things, you are for us and not against us. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Take some time this week to reflect, guys. Have a good week.